one, say, this is the day the Lord has made. Say, I will rejoice and be made glad in it. Amen. How many of you ever had to be made glad? You just, something in you, God has come out, okay, I'm going to tickle you or whatever and make you glad, give you the joy of the Lord. Thank God for his joy in our lives. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to do a little introductory uh, material this morning before, or this evening before we get into the meat of our message tonight. I want to introduce to you our theme, if you will, for the month, and then, then we'll talk about how what we're going to share tonight fits into that theme. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I want you to memorize this. I want you to, if you don't have it memorized, I'll encourage you to memorize it because it is a power-packed verse uh, that defines a little bit of who we are, really a lot of who we are. It says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I want you to look at that in your Bible. I want you to circle it, and if you mark in your Bible, mark it down a little bit. I want you to read it through a time or two. Find this verse. This is a very important verse. You're going to hear it all month long, Sunday and Wednesday, uh, as the introductory verse for this series that we're going to really begin tonight, though though, uh, um, I'll take a, a little turn here for a moment. But the series is called, Who Are You? Discovering and developing your new identity in Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, who are you? Who are you? The real question we need to ask, the real person we need to ask, we need to ask ourselves. Who am I? And the secret is in Christ. Look what he says. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That phrase in, that in Christ, and that little word I in is a powerful word. It means in a fixed, established position. And that's what Paul's talking about. You know, people read this verse and they go, hmm, well, anyone in Christ is a new Christian. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Well, I'm, I'm a Christian and, and uh, boy, I, all the old things in my life haven't quite passed away yet. Well, uh, the secret is developing a life that is fixed in him and focused on him. And that's where the real secret is, is, is building a life that is fixed and founded in Christ Jesus. In fact, uh, the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're going to be looking at that verse. We're going to be learning on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights more and more of who we are in Christ. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the King James Version, there's at least 76 direct references to this two-word phrase, in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. And so it's an important path, it's an important thought for us to build a life that is established, focused, and fixed in Christ. And when that happens, we become more and more like Him, and the old things that we battled with in the old life passes away, and all things become new. If you battle with the old life uh, uh, in, in a real strong fashion, you know what? You're still, you're still working on being in Christ. And we'll, you know, we'll never finally arrive until we see him face to face. But uh, the more we endeavor to establish ourselves in him, everyone say in him. And I in him and he in me, uh, it'll help us get established in our spiritual walk. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about this, this, this month is discovering and then developing our new identity in Christ Jesus. 
You know, have, how many of you have things that, about you that you got from your parents? You know, personality traits or this, that. I say, you got things, oh, I got that from mom. I got that from dad. You know, some good, some not so good, right? Right? I mean, you know, it's, it's not, not everything that trickles down from, from mom and dad is the bl- most blessed thing. Hopefully more good than bad. But we look at that and we go, you know, I just got that from my parents. I got that. That's the way I was raised, so on and so forth. Well, the more we fellowship and interact with Jesus, the more we become like him. And if anyone is in Christ, everyone say, that means me. If anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we're going to be learning. We're going to be discovering more and more of who we are in Him. And you know, when you begin to discover your new identity in Christ, man, it gives you a whole new way of walking, a whole new way of talking, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of dreaming, a whole new way of serving. When you begin to find who who you are in Him. There's an identity crisis in the world today, even among believers. Well, who who am I? You know, I got saved, but what what am I supposed to do? So on and so forth. So so we're going to help answer some of those questions. And I really believe this month is going to really establish us closer and more more rightly fitted and, and fashioned and formed and founded in our new identity in Christ. So there's the, there's the little quickie intro. Tonight, I want to begin in this, in, and we'll go through the month of uh, May talking about discovering and developing our spiritual gifts. Uh, this is important. We talk about this in Newcomer's Life or in, in our Get Connected class, but I have a rather expanded, more detailed version because God has given us gifts, amen? And so I want you to know that and understand that. And so I'm going to give you a big picture tonight. Then we're going to back up and then we're going to talk about one aspect of the gifts that God has for us as his children. So let's look at a couple of verses to kind of build a foundation for spiritual gifts. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, just the first verse there. Uh, I want you to see this and just we're establishing a precedent for God's desire and design. Look what Paul the Apostle says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love, everyone say pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts. God wants us to desire spiritual gifts. He wants us to, to, to discover them and look and, and search after them and develop them in our life. Now look all the way over in 1 Peter chapter 4, just building a little foundation here. This is one of my favorite passages along this line. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. I want you to find it in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Just a couple of foundation Verses to get us focused and moving in the right direction. Peter said this, as each one, everyone says that, say that means me. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, here's a little secret insight. and We'll look at this more and more as we go through this month. God gifts us and he graces us with abilities and talents and calling and, and ministry capacity And why does he do that? For the sake of others. God has given us a gift. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus, for the gift. You ever got a bad gift? You ever re-gifted? I'm not talking about God. You re-gifted? You ever just say, ooh, I'm just putting that in the closet? A lot of people do that with the gifts of God, or they don't even know they've been given a gift. 
Uh, you know, I'll never forget my grandmother, one, t- one, one of the last times she was able to exchange gifts she, before she went to heaven, she was getting a little uh, off, and she got all the gifts mixed up. And it was kind of funny because my, my nephew, who was about 18 at the time, he opened up his, and it was this little vase. And he went, oh, a jar. <laughs> he wasn't too impressed with his gift. He didn't understand his gift. But God's gift, he gives us gifts, uh, and it's for the sake of ministry. And, and it says here in 1 Peter 4.10, as we receive the gift, minister it to one another as good stewards. Everyone say good stewards. You see, we've got to be good stewards of the life God's given us, good stewards of the manifold grace of God or the multifaceted grace of God. And that's the cool part about the body of Christ because not everybody is the same. That's what makes us all unique. And tonight, when we get done here tonight, you're going to go, oh, man, we're all unique. It's awesome. We all have different gifts and graces. Uh, and, uh, so, and, and God needs your gift. How many of you know Peter wouldn't have put this in the Bible had he, he not really believed that, that you have value to the body of Christ and your gifting and your gracing is important to God and important to the family of God. Hey, Aaron, how you doing, buddy? Come right on in. So with that in mind, I'm going to give you the big picture tonight. And then we'll go back this month and we'll look at this big picture in more detail. And here it is. And I, and I actually learned uh, some of this little outline while I was in Africa through our missionary, David Hatley. He taught on spiritual gifts. And, I've t- and a lot of the things he said, I've said. But he had this bigger picture that I want to show you. And here it is. The first one is this. Uh, the gifts of the Father. Everyone say the gifts of the Father. This is what we call the motivational gifts. In fact, tonight we're going to look at that in detail and we're going to look at the motivational gifts. But I want you to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12 and let me just read this to you and then we're going to come back to it uh, and, and look at each one of these. And guess what? Tonight we have a test. And it's not a test of right and wrong. It's a motivational gifts test. We'll talk about that more. I've had a blast this today and this morning uh, working on this lesson and taking this test. In fact, I'll give you a website where you can take it online, and it's a lot easier and more simple than this. Uh, but uh, let's jump in. Let's go. Oh, it says verse 1 through 8. Let's go ahead and read these verses. Uh, no, let me just say, let's jump into verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to, not, uh, to, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God, everyone say God, there's the key, there's the Father, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, he's talking about, he's, he's about to introduce these motivational gifts, and he says, God has dealt them to us. For as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. And here they are, the motivational gifts. We're going to go back over them. Uh, It says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. Or he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
So there you have what has been turned and what I've taught and what we continue to teach as the motivational gifts. Now, we'll come back to it, so don't worry about it. We'll, we'll answer a lot of questions about that tonight. But let me give you the big picture. The second part of this, get, this big picture about spiritual gifts is the gifts of the Son. This is what I thought very interesting. If you turn over to Ephesians chapter 5, it's what I have termed the five-fold ministry which is a valid term, but it's a, they, they are gifts to the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. There it is, Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also one who ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all in all. And he himself gave. Now here's the gifts that Jesus gave to the body of Christ. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And what's their purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. These are what we call the ministerial gifts to the church, or uh, you might even call them governmental gifts. These are governmental, uh, you know, places of ministry responsibility in the church. Now, not everybody in the church is going to be gifted and graced in one of these areas, but they are gifts to the body of Christ. Could I just say to you, whether you realize it or not, your pastor is a gift to you from Jesus Christ. I know you love me because you're here tonight, but that's really the truth. These are the gifts of the Son. Next Wednesday night, we're going to begin to look at these. How many of you ever had any questions? What in the world is an apostle? Uh, you know, hmm, is that real, you know, prophets? Uh, I don't know, pastor. You know, I can handle pastor and teacher uh, and evangelist, but that apostle prophet, that's got me confused. Next Wednesday night, we're going to talk about those gifts of, of the Son, gifts of Jesus to the body of Christ. And then finally, last but certainly not least, in this big picture about the gifts that we'll look at this month, are the gifts of the what? Gifts of the Spirit, absolutely. And they're found, of course, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to turn there just so you can begin to know where we're going. Uh, and uh, let's just begin in verse 12. Uh, pardon me, verse 1 of chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. And that's one of the phrases that, uh, you know what, I, uh, it really convicted me more and more. Hey, we do not need to be ignorant about the gifts and the calling of God and the gracing of God in, in our lives. And we need, to, we need to desire them and get to develop them in our life. I, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I made known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and no one says that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. There are diversities, or King James, I think, says divers, or different, diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And we'll call these gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the, the manifestation gifts. Gifts of supernatural manifestation in the body of Christ. It says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Everyone say each one. Everyone say that means me. Let me just tell you, the gifts of the Spirit are available 
and that's the and this is the context in chapter 14 where Paul actually said desire spiritual gifts. You know, some people, and let me just stop and throw this out, you know, we're about to read this, and then we'll look at them more detailed in a couple of weeks. Uh, but, you know, the big controversial one when I was growing up was, was speaking in tongues. Oh, man. And people said, do you have to speak in tongues, Pastor? I, do I have to speak in tongues? And my answer to that is no. You get to. It's not a curse. It's a blessing. Paul the Apostle said, I build myself up on the, pardon me, Jude said, we build ourselves up on the most holy faith, pray it in the Holy Ghost. Paul said in Romans, uh, we, don't, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit prays through us with groanings too deep for words. I'm telling you, you don't have to, you get to. Paul the Apostle, who spoke a number of different dialects, said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. How many of you know he must have thought it was valuable, his spiritual journey? And so we, we want to desire these gifts. And here they are. Uh, it says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To, the, to another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. <coughs> Pardon me. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of Spirit. And to another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And everyone said... Amen. So there you have it. And this is what I want you to begin to see. And this is what kind of, you know, David Hatley helped put this into perspective for me. And I thought, man, that is awesome. I love how that, I had never seen the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, and the gifts of the Spirit. But there they are, just as clear as a bell. You go back to Romans. This is God giving these. And, and, uh, and we may talk about this a little more detail next week, how, you know, the Trinity, you know, God in the Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Three separate manifestations of God in our life, gracing us from all sides. It's a powerful thought. It's kind of overwhelming. But how many of you know, just from looking at that, God was big on giving gifts to his children. Amen? Man, I want to I get you in your motivation. I want to get you moving in, in your ministry and get the church gro- growing uh, and being edified through the gifts of the Son. I want to get the church empowered and equipped for ministry uh, uh, through the manifestation gifts of the Spirit. I'm just a powerful thought that we're going to begin to digest more and more um, uh, in the next few Wednesday nights. So how many of you are ready to rock and roll with uh, motivational gifts? Turn back to Romans chapter 12. And just simply, what I'm going to do tonight is walk through each one of them and briefly give you a definition. And the definition is basically a synopsis definition based upon the totality of Scripture along this subject. So, you know, though I will not have cross-references to validate these definitions... They certainly uh, are, are valid from a total synopsis of Scripture, and you can look them up and kind of validate them for yourself. But they're the motivational gifts. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this website down because this is an awesome... And In fact, I've, though I want you to go to the website and look it over and take the test, tonight we have a, a handwritten simple test that in just a few minutes... We'll take. In fact, when I took the motivational gifts, because I know what I'm motivated in, I, I knew mine, but I took the motivational gifts test on, on this website. It's gifttest.org. Gifttest.org. 
www.gifttest.org. And it'll tell you how to do it. Now, let me just say right up front, don't, don't take it in a hurry. Just, and, and it'll ask you, you know, it'll just ask you questions about yourself. And it'll, you grade yourself on certain, you know, levels. And you'll, you'll see that with this tonight. But take your time and think through them. Don't, don't overthink, but you'll just be amazed at how this will pay. You know, in fact, I know what my motivational gift is, and it's exhortation. Uh, and so I thought, well, I'm going to take the test. I'm not going to have a preconceived notion about how it's going to come out. I took the test, and I was 95% exhortation. I'm going to just boom, peg me. So uh, uh, most of you probably have a little inclination. But here we go. We're just going to identify them uh, and, and give you a little brief uh, um, description, uh, biblically-based description of what these what these gifts are. The first one in, the, in, in Scripture, it says, having then gifts different, di- differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. There's a lot of misunderstanding and misconception about that word prophecy. Uh, there, and we'll talk more about this when we get in next week talking about the prophet. But when you see prophecy, it doesn't always mean someone who stands up and tells the future. That's what most people think of when they think of prophecy. There's a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament that, that foretells the future. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not discounting that here, but this is really not a reference to, to, the, to the gifting of prophecy as, as in the sense of foretelling the future. It has more to do with being able to to rightly divide the word of truth and, and, and declare clearly the word of God. So here's a good working definition for you. I'll try to make them simple, but, but if you're going to write them down, uh, I'll go slow for you. The ability to interpret Scripture and reveal information from God's word and spirit to others. And speak the mind of God all for the benefit and blessing of others. I want to read it again. It's the ability to interpret Scripture and then reveal that revelation or information from God's Word and through His Spirit. And speak the mind of God. That's what I do. I do that. And we'll talk about how I function in that vein. And and by the way, we're going to call him the perceiver. This guy has the ability, the insight, the ability to interpret Scripture and reveal insight from God's Word and His Spirit. And though this is not in there, it's all for the benefit of others. Amen? The perceiver. In fact, anybody here think they're the perceiver? Maybe not yet. Maybe I'll need to take the test. Here's the next one. The server. It says in that second verse it calls it ministry that real that word ministry there in verse seven uh, i think is diakoneo where we get the word deacon which is really servant you know a lot of people think deacons are the boss you know we got the deacon board they're voting on the preacher uh, it's just a whole misunderstanding of of what a deacon is a deacon is a servant in the house of god how many deacons and deaconesses do we have here tonight say amen Amen. Okay, we got a few. And here it is. Uh, through, the, through looking at the Old Testament in this ministry, uh, it's the ability to provide for the physical, material, or spiritual well-being of others. It's really just a servant's heart. 
I want to help people. I want to serve people. I want to provide for their physical, material, spiritual well-being. And, and you know what? Some people are motivated in that way. And I can spot them a mile out. I won't tell the name, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. Uh, and, and, and I think this is really the servant's heart. I was up one Sunday morning, and I looked out in the parking lot, and I saw a beer can out by the entrance of the, of the church. Where, and I, I pick those up all the time. People come by, and they throw not only beer cans. You just be surprised what people will throw in the church parking lot. I'm talking dirty diapers and everything. I mean, I've, I've been out there. I know. It's a, it's a tough world out in the church park, parking lot. But I saw this can, and I'm, I, this church was about to start, and I, I saw cars just going, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. I'm going, okay, now which one is going to have enough gumption to stop? I don't know if it was, well, I won't say if it's you or not, but I, I looked up. One of our church members stopped, walked out, got it, picked it up, and I thought, that's his motivation. He's a servant. He goes, mm. I just got to fix that. And uh, anyway, that's the server. Uh, and you know what? There, there are a lot of times behind the scenes undergirding the front lines. And they enjoy that. They're behind the scenes undergirding those on the front line, helping to know. And let me just tell you, how many of you know for every good church service we have, there's a whole lot of behind the scenes servants holding things together. Amen? It's really true. It's the server. It's a motivation. The third one is the teacher. Now, this teacher is motivated to help others learn through sound doctrine. They just want people to get it right. And these guys or these gals, they love to research the Word. Now, Pastor Ron, my dear friend, and really the apostolic covering of our church... We'll talk about apostles next week. He, his primary motivation is a teacher. He will study things until they're wore out. I'm going, how do you do that? I mean, I'm two hours into studying and, and, and I'm just done. I just, whoo, man, it's time for post-toasties or something, man. Heals just all day long. He just gets engrossed in things. And sometimes he studies things and I'm going, who cares? You're just digging way too deep. But that's his motivation. They love studying. They love researching. And I love those people. I, you know what? I, I would love to have a researcher who, who was just didn't have anything better to do than me say, could you study the gift? Could you give me everything you can find in the next 24 hours on the gift of the apostle to the local church? Uh, and they just go, yeah, man, I'll do that. They love that stuff. Uh, that's not my motivation. Though I'm a teacher, that's not my primary motivation. We'll talk about that again in a minute. So there's the teacher. And then the encourager. This is me. Uh, that's who I am. I know who I am. Uh, and uh, they have the ability to edify and exhort and bring peace and joy and comfort to others. At least I think I do. Uh, but that's my motivation. And, and this is what's really funny. They love to fix things. I can fix it. I tell people all the time, if you just listen to what I tell you in the next 30 minutes, your life will be a whole lot better. But you've got to listen to me, and you've got to follow what I do. I had somebody in my office, ooh, it was a kind of a traumatic thing a few weeks ago, and, I, and uh, I, I said this, I said, listen, you listen to me very carefully. I'm going to tell you three things that if you will do them right now, they were in a jam, if you will do them right now, things will go better with you today, and this thing may turn around. But you've got to listen to me, you've got to do them. They went out and didn't do any of them, in fact, did exactly opposite, and all, you know what? broke loose and I go man if you know if I were king the whole world would be a little better 
But that's my nature. I love to fix. I can... I have a gift to fix things. Now, here's the funny thing. My wife is not an exhorter. She's a mercy-motivated person. And she, let me just tell you, if you're married to a mercy-motivated person, your gifting to them is to listen. And, and, she, and, and she's told me this more than once. I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to listen to me. And, and, and understand how I feel and understand the thing. Because she can, she can be halfway through, and I've already got the fix. Man, I want things to go better at home. I, you know, I want to, I want to build it up. I want to fix it. I want people to walk away and go, "Whoo, man, I feel better now." That's the encourager. And then number five is the giver. He who gives. Now, the misconception about this gift is that these are these are Daddy Warbucks people. Not necessarily the case. Now, uh, I love it when Daddy Warbucks is a giver. I mean, from a church perspective, it always helps the local church. But it's not, it's not, this gift has nothing to do with your bank account, okay? It's the motivation to be charitable, even with little or much. It's a motivation to give and to, and, and to, and to resource uh, the body of Christ. And you know what I've learned about some people, uh, and some, even from a church perspective, uh, some people have this grace in their life more than they realize. And they go, every time something turns around, oh, man, I, let me help with that. I, we've got, I've got some people in my church uh, that, you know, from time to time we have needs, and uh, I'll go, oh, I need $400 for somebody's rent in our church, and I don't have it in the benevolence fund. I send an email. You know, if, you're, if you have a chance, you know, we got this need, it's a valid one. If anybody would like to help Man, I don't, it doesn't get sent before somebody pops up. I'll take care of that preacher. They just have that grace in their life, that desire. It's, it's the giver. Now, if you're not motivated that way, it doesn't mean you're not benevolent and giving. But some people have a greater grace on their life. To, and you know what? It's just as valid as the teacher. Amen. And, and some people, well, we tiptoe around the tulips with that. You know, there are times when there are certain things that I know that, 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 that we need, and I've not done this much, but I know some people, I know their heart, I know they have this gift. I'll call them, hey, I got this person in our church needs this. Can you help? Oh, I can do it. Because I know that's their gift. Okay? It's the giver. The motivation and ability to be chari- charitable with little or much. And really the characterization of this person, their hospitality. They are... They're kind of the life of the party. They're always a hospitable. That's a good biblical term for them. Uh, they just hospitality oozing out of every pore. Hey, come on over. Uh, it's, it's just the desire to bless and be a giver. And then number six, the, the Bible calls it that uh, um, he who leads with diligence. The real word there is not simply leader. The Greek is really ruler. I got a feeling the New King James guys got a little nervous with the word ruler, thinking, uh, but it's, it's, it's really uh, a governor, a leader, so I guess it's semantics, but uh, the ruler has the ability to lead and influence others by example, and this is from a biblical understanding of leadership, he rules by example, sound counsel, admonition, correction, and even reproof. Now, let me just say from a pastoral perspective, I have to move into this from time to time in people's life. And I've had to reprove people or correct people. How many of you know you, you, God corrects those whom he loves? And, and you know what? This is a gift to the body of Christ. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a gift 
to, uh, to be able to correct somebody in love and them feel better in the middle of it and not be pushed down. That's the ruler. They're motivated by love, by the way. They're not motivated by authority. They're motivated by the love of God. And then number seven, the seventh motivational gift of the Father is the mercy gift or the merciful. They're the first to sympathize, man, and empathize with the needs of others. The motivation to be compassionate to hurting and the brokenhearted, and that is my wife. She's married to the encourager. I married the merciful. And one of the things that all of these different motivations have to learn, and this, and we're going, I'm going to give you illustration in just a little bit. They have to learn that just because others are not motivated like, like you doesn't mean they're, uh, they're bad people. I had a guy in my church uh, in Quitman who was, who was a, a giver, and he had a little mercy in him, but he was a giver. And he was always wanting to help somebody, and I love that about him. And we had, some, had a single-parent mom in our church, and we helped this lady. We bought her a little home. We bought her a little car. But you know what? To him... The home wasn't good enough, and the car wasn't good enough, and, and we just never did it right. And he got all irritated at me, and I, finally I said to him, I said, Hey, listen, just because everybody's not wired like you doesn't make us bad people. And he looked at me funny, but it never went in. You know, He just never could get it because everybody didn't think the way he thought, and everybody wasn't motivated the way he's motivated. That's what makes the body of Christ so valuable. And what we've got to do is we've got to value each other's gifts and these different motivations. How many of you thank God for the, for the mercy-motivated person when you're in a jam and you need somebody to kind of just, you know, cry on their shoulder? You know, you come cry on my shoulder, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, bless your heart, now let me fix it. Now, I understand you're hurting, but do you want to stay that way? You don't want to be crying tomorrow or the next day? Okay, I can fix that for you if you want me to fix it. And, you know, the, and so we, we value each other because, because we need each other. Now, here's the secret that I want you to learn. Then we're going to take a test, okay? Here's the secret. Every believer normally moves and operates through one primary motivation, but they function many times in all of them from time to time. Just like me. Tonight, I'm not the teacher. You know what? If I were the teacher tonight, we would still be on point one and I'd be giving you three or four more uh, scripture references to validate uh, the first motivational gift. You understand what I'm saying? And three quotes from other well-established resources. I'm not the teacher. So, so you get what you get on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday night. Uh, but I function and flow through them. And so that's what you need to understand about yourself. What's my primary motivation? But as I, and, and so what I do, what I teach or preach, it's through that gift of exhortation. Never more clear than, than in Africa with, four, let's see, one, two, three, four other pastors, four other preachers. Dr. Shibley, who's, who is uh, uh he is a preacher, but he is a studier and a teacher as well. David Hatley's a teacher, our missionary, but he's an apostle too. But, but from the motivational gift, he's a teacher. David Jackson is, is probably a, a teacher. He's probably, he's probably more a perceiver. And, but anyway, I'm an exhorter. And so these guys would get up with all the, 
the African pastors, and they would give them, uh, let me just give you, 10 leadership lessons. I mean, 10, you know, how to be a better leader. And they would train them on leadership. Well, that's the teacher mode. I, I just not... I get up, I, I do Pentecostal preaching, and we, oh, God, we have a big, you know, and everybody, yeah, amen. And they don't know why, but they feel better, you know. I'm, oh, I'm exhorting them and building them up. You can do it. Let's, let's win all of Kenya for Jesus. Yes. That's me. They're all different, all valid, because you know what I was doing when those guys were teaching? Man, I'm taking notes because they're helping me, uh, valuable to me. So, All these motivational gifts are hugely valuable, but from your perspective, you probably want to, in all of our perspective, we want to identify who we are so we can better function and flow in the body of Christ the way he would have us. If you go back and you remember 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, uh, he says this, and it's singular in number. He said, as each one, as each man has received the gift, even so minister it, minister the same to one another he puts a singular phrasing on it which makes me think he's talking about something along the lines of our motivation because all of us have a motivation in life i believe it's one of the seven and uh and so uh do i want to take this test now okay let's do this before we take we got time there's a pen in front of you everyone pass these out i'm going to give you about three or four or five minutes Pass these around. Everybody get a pen. And before you start, uh, before you start, pass those back. We want to go through it so you'll know. All right? We want to kind of give you the idea. If you need a pen, look around. Don't cheat. This doesn't work cheating, uh, Danielle. You can't cheat off. You can't cheat. And there's no right or wrong answer. Let's read this together. Thank you for visiting gifttest.org. The Motivational Gift Survey is the, best, is the first statistically validated instrument of its kind. This survey can be used in organizations and churches to provide leaders with a tool to help place people in the positions that best suit their God-given talents. This can also help you learn more about yourself and identify areas that match your abilities and interests where you feel most comfortable, effective, and satisfied. You will see the most accurate and useful results if you think carefully about each item and read each, each response carefully. So let's look at how this works. And, and these are phrases, and you're going to score yourself up by each number, okay? You're going to give yourself a number. For example, I give generously and joyfully to people in need. Mark zero if this is absolutely not true of you. Mark one if this statement is true only in rare situations. Mark two if this is sometimes true. Mark three if it's usually true. Mark four if this is true almost all the time. Mark five if this is true all the time. You get the idea? The test has now begun. If you have questions, you may ask me. So just go through each one. And when you're done, just kind of raise your uh, paper up so I'll know you're done. You mark yourself with a score on each one. And then on the end, we're going to add them up in little columns. Okay. Here we go. You ready? All right. How many of you add? You got everything added up? Some of them may be kind of close in number, but uh, let me just start down the road who here 
your biggest score was perceiver. I got one perceive two, one or two. Was that a halfway? Oh, you got a tie. Oh, you might need to take the online test. Perceiver. How about server? Oh, we got some good servers in the house. Uh, teacher. No teachers. Interesting. Oh, I'm not looking in the back. I, the sound booth. Got any teachers in the back back there? Not yet. Encouragers. Hey, we got it now. Now, Trent, did you had two close calls, right? So you had perceiver and encourager were your two highest ones. That's the way Ryan was uh, when he took, but he took his online as well. And so uh, I guess you have to kind of look online. It gives a real detailed description of these these uh, these motivational gifts. So I'd encourage you to take it online as well. Uh, how about giver? Got a giver, a couple of givers in the house, three or four givers. How about ruler? Got a ruler or two. He, boy, he, he's, he's got the haircut for it, doesn't he? <laughs> and then mercy. Any mercy-motivated folks? Oh, man. Oh, we got two mercy people about to be married together. Man, their whole marriage is going to be mushy and gushy and helping people. <laughs> I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. It's probably a blessing because uh, you just you understand each other so well. That's, a, that's exciting. Now, how many of you were not surprised about how it turned out? Not surprised. How many of you were surprised? You a little surprised? What were you, by the way? Server encourager. You thought you were more mercy, but you're not. You're not. I can tell. I'm married to one, and I know what they, what they say. You're, you're, you're a little different. It doesn't make you bad. It just makes you different. So, hey, this understanding who we are in Christ helps us function and function best uh, and, and find ourselves in the right format of ministry and service, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't want, uh, you know, the ruler to be the necessarily the counselor, would you? He's just going to just, buddy, I'll straighten you out. Mercy. <laughs> now, let me give you an illustration. We didn't have every representation here, but just by way of understanding how different gifts operate, a little hypothetical scenario here's the hypothetical scenario you're at, we're all at a, uh, a a party a fellowship we've been invited to pastor sam's house and we're just having fellowship and beverly's putting on the ritz and she's trying to be a blessing and she's coming out of the kitchen with a big tray of hors d'oeuvres and by the way i tried to spell that today and i never could figure out how to spell hors d'oeuvres so if anybody wants to help, my spell check couldn't even straighten me out. So uh, she's carrying a big tray of hors d'oeuvres, and the, the rug on the way into the living room is, is kind of rumpled a little bit, and she trips on it and just plasters in the living room in the middle of everybody, and all the hors d'oeuvres go everywhere. And everybody goes, everybody goes, I said, everybody goes, oh, okay. <laughs> This is group participation. And the perceiver, that is the one who has the ability to interpret Scripture, and he, he's, he's got the mind of God, and he kind of knows what's really going on in the spirit realm. The perceiver sees that, and what's he say? I knew that was going to happen. 
I saw it coming a long time before it happened because I saw the, you know, that's the perceiver's mindset. The server, what's the server going to do? The server's going to jump up. I am so sorry. Let, I, let, come on, Beverly, we'll go back in the kitchen. We'll start over and I'll help you. It's okay. And, and going to serve and help her make some more orders. Right? The teacher, what's he going to do? Well, now let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about why this happened. Let's just pull it all apart and begin to discuss, uh, you know, down to the minute detail, uh, you know, and if you'll just move that rug, you know, I, I mean, I really, it's not a big problem, Barry, if you'll just move the rug and just try to teach his way through this problem. The encourager, that's me. What am I going to say? Don't worry about it, man. It's all right. Get up. It's okay. We've all fallen in our, and showed our undies before. It's all right. Step up. Hey, come on, ah, ha, 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 you feel better, okay, right? The giver, you know what the giver's going to do? Oh, my gosh, I'll be right back. I'm going to the store. I'll buy some more, uh, you know, snacks and things because this isn't right. This is, you know, and they, they just want to give. The ruler, what's he going to do? How's he going to? He's going to develop a whole system. And he's going to train the whole group about how to make sure. They're going to put signs up and rules and regulations so that nobody ever does that again, right? <laughs> yeah, that's him right there, huh? She's going, that's my man. And, of course, the merciful person, they're going to run, run over there. I am so sorry. Are you okay? Can I help you? Are you okay? You see, all of those motivations are valid. You know, the mercy person might look, oh, that ruler, he was just a little tough. No, it's just his motivation. Now, the reality about all of these, they can all be, get out of balance. How many of you know you can be so merciful, you do people harm? Or you can be so, such a teacher that People go, time out, brother. I don't need another lesson. I just need, let me call Beverly. I need some mercy here. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All of it has to be in balance, and it all has to be for the benefit of others. And, and though this is our primary motivation, it doesn't mean we are not all required to be merciful servants, helpers, prof, prophetic uh, insight to people's lives, so on and so forth. So, Discover your motivational gift and begin to build your life around it. it. It'll make your life. Hey, in business, it'll help you hire people who are rightly suited for the task. You know, if you're, if you're hiring a salesman, uh, you know, you, there's a certain type of person, uh, you know, that, that would best fit into that category. So, you know, that you probably wouldn't want the teacher as the salesman. The teacher's just going to just wear them down with all the details and, oh, man, just tell me what the price is. So, you know, it's, there's creative ways to, to use these gifts, not only in, in the local church, but in, in, your, in the world you live in. Amen? Well, hallelujah. That's the Father's gifts. Next Wednesday night, we're going to look at the, the apostle, prophet, uh, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, and how those are gifted to the body of Christ. Interesting thing about the gifts of the Son uh, everybody, you, know, you think about the evangelist. We think of the perspective of the evangelist. Oh, he has the big meetings and thousands of people are saved. Well, yeah, but the real gift of an evangelist, what does he do? He equips the saints to do evangelism. 
Oh, a little different perspective on evangelism and the evangelist. So interesting insights. Let's stand up together tonight and let's ask the Lord to help us in our motivational gifts.